when you guys were kids, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, what was the, <laughs> like, when you were in elementary school or younger? So mm. when you still believed that, like, there were, there was a chance of being an astronaut or something, you know, like that. Who, are you saying that there's not still a chance? How dare you? <laughs> I mean, not for any of Come us on. right now. Wow. Uh, Don't limit that's us that rude. way. Yeah, that's mean. What are you saying? I, well, I accept any, I'm it, not going to be an astronaut. <laughs> okay. okay. Wow. My eyesight's too bad. That's my issue. Uh, interesting <laughs> enough for me, me back. I wanted to be a pilot, but I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. But that was because like my grandfather was in the Air Force, my dad was in the Air Force, and I was just my like way into planes. And so I was like, I had simulators like the, on the computer and stuff. Like I was so into it. I know a, a shocking amount of information about planes for no reason at all. Yeah. Is so it, much I, so that when they fly over your house 14 times an hour, <laughs> you can identify every one of them. I like that because it's, they're all military planes that fly over. So it's like, oh man, that's, you know, that's super copy. That's a this, that's a that, you know? Do you think maybe subconsciously that's why you chose that location to live in? Oh. Um, so you I'd still be close to that childhood dream. No, I don't think so. I do think that the fact that we do live right next to NASA and Ellington is kind of like a mil Ellington Air Force Base is kind of like a military. Like I think that played into why I thought planes were so cool because we have an air show that comes every year. Like they do like fake like bombings and stuff. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty legit. You know, you go see the planes. You go. My dad used to. My dad's it's not first that job, legit. They do uh, fake they are fake bombing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's people running around screaming. <laughs> But yeah, there, so my dad's first job, or I don't know if it was his first job, like the first, I think, legit job, he worked on F-16 fighter planes. Like he did the electrical systems inside of them. Mm -hmm. um, and my grandfather was a B-52 tail gunner in the Korean and Vietnam War. So like that's just always been a big part of my family. And then I, I don't know why I decided not to actually go that route. I think I just realized I didn't uh, – over time, I realized I don't like people telling me what to do. Uh, so I thought the military might be a poor choice <laughs> for me. To, um, poor choice for me. So then I decided not to go that route. What would your yeah. name have been? Like don't they all have – don't all the pilots have like a name? Um, like Goose and, you know. Yeah, it would have been yeah, Captain pilot D, nickname. but I can't. Yeah. And I know the next question is going to be what does Captain D stand for, and I cannot tell you. But I – <laughs> Um, but that would have been what it would, what it would be. <laughs> I should just leave it there. I think. <laughs> <Just leave it. laughs> yeah. I don't, that's just, yeah. I don't know. Do you remember like around what age you, you kind of recognized, and eh, I'm probably not going to be a pilot. Uh, high school. Okay. Yeah, for sure. High school. Um, I think, and I think it was because I started getting into music instead and then I was like, oh, I'm going to do music. I don't know. I actually, I had no idea what I was going to do for a long time. And I, even when I was getting my music degree, I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. So. You just feel like you've reached that point of no return. Like I have to do Now I'm it. doing what I, I yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm doing what yeah. I'm supposed to do now. But I, I, yeah, for a long time I was like, man, I hate music. <laughs> like I've just happened to be good at it and I hated it for some reason. And then I became a teacher and I was like, I really hate this. This really sucks. <laughs> um, and then I, yeah, I was like, man, I'm trapped. And then I got out of the matrix. Now here I am. Dude, I went through a similar thing. Like I got, I think maybe almost halfway through an education major oh, and wow. realized I didn't want to do it and felt trapped. And thankfully, um, my girlfriend at the time was like really into like college planning, thought she might end up being like a guidance counselor or something. And so she literally like planned out the next year and a half schedule for me and was like, look, you can get out of this. And I was like, dang. Oh. Thank you. That's wow, nice. that's really nice. 
it was yeah it was awesome it was really cool i can actually see you as a a healthy relationship (laughs) (laughs) here's exactly what you're gonna do for the next year and a half (laughs) but it helped him look he's where he needs to be right now right truly yeah yeah it was very helpful yeah exactly i hope so if you started to go to college for an education degree what did you want to be when you grew up same question Mm, when i was a kid Mm -hmm. i wanted to be in the nba Really? I want to be a professional basketball player. Oh, oh I yeah. Love that. mm. That's great. Yeah. At what point? Because sports has a crushing reality attached to it. Uh-huh. Where you that it, like find happens out. very early on too. Yeah. Well, it unfolds like as you play games and you realize Yeah, sports is one of the maybe one of the only things where it's like the reality is that harsh where it just your dream gets killed because it's like you are not good enough or you are not the right size of a person to be able to do this. So like when did you find that out? Yeah. So with basketball, I actually got lucky in that I got into music and lost interest in basketball. And so it wasn't, I didn't have to hit that physical reality of like, Hey, there's no way you're ever going to be able to physically do this, which was great. It, it saved my ego a lot. Um, but I did, I tried playing football my freshman year of high school and definitely had the physical realization of, I am not mentally or physically built for this sport. Dude, I played, I actually for a brief time wanted to be an NFL football player, which I am not built to do. And I found (laughs) that out. I was on the uh, seventh grade B team um, for football. And I didn't even try you. They don't even try you out at seventh grade. They just like put you based on like, I think your like athletic ability and all that stuff. They just go A, B or whatever and see what happens. Um, And I remember it was a kickoff. And I was supposed to be blocking and this kid hit me so hard. And this is like the second day of practice. He hit me so hard that at that moment I was like, I'll never be able to do this. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never make it in this because like I didn't have, I was not, some people like hitting people, like really Mm -hmm. like hitting people. And you find that out in like in school sports, like some kids just really like to hit and really like to to tackle and things like that. And I did not like it. I was like, this sucks. This is not fun. So we were quickly. Yeah. Me and one of my good friends were doing a hitting drill and it was basically like you run at each other and try to knock each other down. Dude. Oh my God. And they... I thought, go on, sorry. Oh, no, no. I, I interrupted you. You go. That's, yeah, that's right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, this is my friend. He'll, he'll like take it easy on me. He knows I'm new to this. And he just freaking laid me out, dude. <sighs> like I was vertical and then I was horizontal. Yeah. And it was like it was that moment it was a very harsh realization of like i don't know if this is for me dude they i was a wide receiver um and they used to just line us up and they did this drill where the wide receiver just ran and then the actual athletic kids would tackle the wide receiver and you couldn't fight back there was nothing you could do they would just make you run and get tackled <laughs> like they'd lined us up and just made us do that as tackling practice for the kids that were actually good oh my God. Yeah, it was Sounds brutal. Like I didn't fun. realize at the time what was happening, though. I thought that I was contributing, but I was just being. An <laughs> I played sad. soccer for several years, and I loved soccer because you could just like slide into somebody and like take them out hard, you know. And like girls' <laughs> soccer, I don't know if you've ever watched girls or women's soccer. Like they are pretty vicious with like, you know, kind of like undermining people. It was a lot of fun, but. You have I'm the not physical fast enough. and emotional yes. yeah. conflict. Yeah. Yeah. You continue to surprise me on this podcast. I keep saying <laughs> things, and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, like the car thing with the, uh-huh. on the, I think, first episode. You're just like, I'm yeah. going to get a bunch of muscle cars. I'm like, man, I didn't see that coming. 
So were you a vicious soccer player, Ariel? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a very competitive person when it comes to sports. I don't play sports often, but I'm super competitive when it comes to them. And I am like willing to probably push a little further than you're supposed to. <laughs> if it will give me an advantage <laughs> so if we did this if we did this walking desk thing where we tried to see who could like walk the most would you like would you really go all out for that possibly yeah i can tell by that response you probably mm -hmm. would yeah yeah she probably would but she opted out of the me buying her a, a treadmill well so you never gave never... me a deadline you you said that uh, uh if you complete mm -hmm. the course by the deadline and then I asked, I think I asked when the deadline was or is, and then you said, well, you've already, you've already not met it. <laughs> well, I was just and being, I asked, when is the new one? So, and then there was no more. <laughs> so you never gave me like a, a, a goal really to meet. Okay. For a little bit of context, yeah. I told Ariel, we were having this conversation about treadmills under walking desks. I told Ariel I would buy her one if we had a great month in January uh, and also she hit a goal with the course that she's creating. And then she, the next day was like, you know what? I don't really like treadmills that much. I'm not really motivated by that kind of stuff. Like she basically just ducked out of the whole thing. When I thought I was doing something, I thought I was like, man, this is a good, this is a good boss moment. Like you're going to reward somebody for their work and just give them something cool. And then I just, she just was like, nah, you know what? I don't really care about that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> I mean, that's not exactly smooth. how it went in my mind, but that's, that's fine. We can leave it at that. It's yeah, we can leave it at that. So what did you want to be, Ariel? I'm, which I will say, I'm oh. very interested to hear what Michael says too, because I, mm -hmm. who knows? Yeah. But yeah, Ariel, what, what do you- It's also been so quiet. Like, I feel it's like been, he's hasn't like said any, reliving his childhood dreams it's over a, there. It's a little uncomfortable, a little scary. Uh -huh. But yeah, what's, uh, yeah, what did you, what did you want to do, Ariel? Um, I wanted to be a teacher or a doctor. Those were my two things. And like, my dad worked at a hospital and so I would go and visit him there and I like something about seeing like, the doctors walking around like they knew everything. I was like, I'm going to be that. And then the teacher, I don't know wh where that came from, but I I have, this is embarrassing. I I was an only child. And when you were an only child, you have, you don't have anybody around to play with most of the time. So you talk to yourself a lot. And I had my imaginary Ariel's classroom set up, but I was not Miss Ariel. I was Miss Christy. That was my teacher name. I don't know where Christy came from. <laughs> But I was Miss Christie, and I remember I had a stapler that in Sharpie marker when I was like six or seven, I wrote Miss Christie on it, and I was like, this is my teacher stapler. Um, and I remember one year for Christmas, uh, my aunt worked in a school. I think she was a school secretary, and so she gave um, me a catalog, like the teacher supply catalog, to look through and like, you know, pick out whatever you want for Christmas. And I picked out one of those... It's like the class roster books, the grade books. That was what I wanted. And so I made up my class and like wrote all the names and like put grades in there and whether or not they were, you know, present for class. Did you have a favorite student? No, I don't think so. No, not that I can remember. I mean, maybe I did, okay. but I had a, I had a chalkboard and everything, you know, I'd write just Miss Christie all over it when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> So you had another person that you wanted to be in addition to I think the job. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm a little I'm a little disappointed that nobody has said like I I really wanted to grow up and work at Millennial Money Man. <laughs> really wanted to work on my laptop. <laughs> I really wanted to Yeah, nobody said that yet. So Michael's coming in still. Yeah. Yeah, he's like I wanted to All be right, the director Michael. of operations at Millennial Money Man. 
this is the time I was four. <laughs> that would be actually terrifying. Wouldn't that be? Yeah, that'd be wild. <laughs> That's how you know we we are living in a simulation. If Michael says 100%, that, like, if which he, we might and be. it believed it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need to manifest something right now. I know I didn't want to be a director of operations. The only thing I can remember is when I was like eight, nine, ten years old. I had a best friend growing up, and I'd go over to his house, and we'd play like spies, and we'd pretend we were spies. And so I remember wanting to be like in the FBI or a spy. So much so, this correlates to another. This all checks out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes perfect sense. Popular question, which is, what is your first email address? My first email address was MikeTheSpy1993 at Hotmail.com. Oh, my so God. I was like... I really love that idea of being like <laughs> secret spy. That's the one I remember. I don't think it lasted terribly long, um, but that that's the most poignant one I can I can remember. Uh, for a little context, I think everybody should know that Michael has been consistently no. trying to get us to do illegal things. No. As a team, <laughs> it keeps trying to egg us on to do things that we shouldn't be doing. Um, no. And Robert and I had an in depth conversation about like he might be a cop, <laughs> like, undercover. Yeah, he yeah. might be an undercover cop. Michael, other than your undercover um, cop exploits at this company, do you feel like there's anything in your day-to-day -day life where you get to exercise your spy skills? Uh, no, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say really. You're good at finding people's addresses and stuff online too, which is I think yes, part by of... going to public record <laughs> websites. <laughs> I don't. You just have a skill You're for it. Basically, good I'm... at googling. I don't. Yeah, yeah right. I'm it. very good at googling. I don't have access to a mainframe anywhere. I don't I have think any you could have made a good spy. I, you mm -hmm. would have been a fantastic spy. Yeah. I feel like Thanks. being a spy yeah. would just stress me out. It would. I would be really stressed too. I think it would be yeah. – I, I already have a high level of paranoia about way too many things. And like you add, you add potentially getting killed and getting caught. I don't know. Nah, couldn't do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I will say without much trepidation, I, I don't hold such a high regard for our intelligence community anymore. So oh I don't know how well <laughs> I fit in. I just – <laughs> like, I'm just gonna slide this in just here. Can't help himself. <laughs> just moth to a flame. Uh, without much trepidation, either. Yeah, without <laughs> just a slight, just a hint of trepidation. Well, that's good. Uh, this reminds me of the. Uh, I don't know if anybody watches The Office, but there's an episode where Michael is. He wants to show everybody that he was a child TV star. Um, and so he pulls in a TV and like, it's a, it's him on a TV show and he's like this dorky looking kid. And they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he's like, I want to be, I want to be married and I want to have like 10 kids so they can all be my friends and nobody can ever tell me that they don't want to be my friend again. And then like the people are like, did you get married? And he's like thinking about it. He's like, no, I didn't get married. Did you have kids? He's like, oh, I didn't have kids. And he has this whole like kind of existential crisis. So does anybody feel that way right now? Like, like we failed the. Yeah, like you didn't live the up to younger version to of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, see, mm. I didn't, so obviously no. No, I don't think I've failed little little Michael. I think little Michael would be pretty proud of Big Michael. And please call I me think... Big Michael from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> I think... What about Big Mike? Yeah, I think everybody will except for Tom. Big Mike? <laughs> Can we call you Mike the Spy? What about... I don't like this. I don't know what I'm wrong with myself. <laughs> no, All right. Well, let's... It's cool, Big Mike. All right, let's transition. <laughs> let's transition into the questionable decision for this week. That was a wild conversation we just had. Um, I have a friend, and I, I want to be really careful about this because I don't want to come across as talking crap about my friend because he's a good friend. He's one of the funniest people I know, and I like him a lot. However, uh, I was on a, a golf trip with him, and we were talking about 
just money in general. Because uh, he asked me a lot about it. He, I don't think he understands exactly what I do. Because like every time there's a financial anything that happens, and he's like, hey, did, Bobby, did you blog about this? Like when it's just anything that has to do with stocks or whatever. So he doesn't quite understand what's going on. But we were talking about money. And he was like, you know what, man? Money just like really stresses me out. And I, I just don't deal with it. And I was like, what do you mean you don't deal with it? He's like, I don't, I don't touch any of any of my money. He's like, my wife has all of the passwords to all of our accounts that have anything to do with money. And I don't have any of the passwords for them. And I like it that way because I'd never have to feel stress. And I was like, I, well, I'll just pose that to everybody else. What do you think about that? <laughs> I don't think that is a wise decision as someone who does that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't make the best financial decisions and it is almost 100% because I do not pay enough attention to my finances. So because it stresses me out, but I also think that if I were to pay more attention and if I were to feel more in control, it would stress me out less. So this is a realization that, that I'm coming to. So I can, I can relate to your friend and I can also say, eh, probably not the best move. Well, for context, here's what concerns me about it. If you're married and then all of a sudden you're not married anymore and you have no access to any of your financial accounts at all. I see Bobby's paranoia poking out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm just, you never know. You never know. And this is something that I've talked to my wife about too. Like we have access to, we both have shared access to everything. I make sure she sees everything that happens. Like, like, because in the event that she gets tired of me, like, I don't want her to be screwed over. Like, I think that that is because there's a, there's a reality about marriage that, you know, they end sometimes. Uh, and so in this, in this case, you're really putting yourself in a position that you probably don't want to put yourself in. I think my, my gut or not gut, my first, um, thought about your friend's situation is that it's, you know, before you explain the whole, or talked more about the idea of like a marriage can end and, you know, blah, 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 is that it, you know, he might be doing something that is really smart for himself and his family, like relinquishing the control over something that he is not good at doing. Like if he, you know, if the wife, especially if she's accepting of this role and she's like, I, I would be glad to take this over. I can, you know, I appreciate that you are admitting that you're not good at this and yes, I can make these like good decisions for our family. Then I think that he's doing a good thing in relinquishing the power he would have to make poor choices. Now, I do agree though that they, you know, if something happened to their marriage, especially depending on how it happened, like if they ended things and it wasn't amicable, that would be very bad. Like she could totally screw him over. But, uh, you know, I, I get it. And I, I mean, my husband and I, we keep a lot of stuff separate and we don't have access to each other's accounts and passwords and everything. And it doesn't bother me, but, uh, I think separate makes a little more sense. Like I know mm -hmm. a lot of people that do the separate thing. I don't know many people that do the, I don't have access to anything and like it. I do have a question though. And I don't know, I don't even know if we can, if we should go here on this podcast, but if it was a flip-flop situation and it was a woman that was like, mm -hmm. I have no access to any of my accounts or passwords, my husband keeps all of that stuff. Well, that flip scenario kind of helps illustrate my take on this, which is, I think it's 
good and fine for people to have roles. I'm stronger at this. I'm stronger at that. Mm -hmm. I mean, my wife kind of takes care of sort of the overall budget and paying, you know, our kind of recurring bills. So that's just a role that she's more, she's better at and she's more comfortable with. And so she does it. But I think that the idea of being literally locked out, unable to see, and not even just uh, unable to see, but not going to see where you are with your finances, like just hiding from it alone, that I don't think that's a good thing for you as a person, even if someone's better at doing it and managing the finances. Um, not knowing what's going on is not a place of power. I think you should try and understand where you are with your finances. You should, you should keep an eye on it. You should um, even try and flex that muscle where it's not so uncomfortable for you and maybe grow. But just avoiding it altogether is, um, I think that has dangers. Even if you never get a divorce or even if nothing happens, just hiding from, you know, money is, is not, maybe not the, the best thing that you could do. And so I think that illustrates, um, both partners, if you're sharing money, should sort of know what's going on. And if you choose to divide up the responsibilities in a certain way and I'll handle this or I don't want to handle any of it, um, that's fine if you can agree on it. But hiding from it, avoiding it, I, I, I wouldn't think that that's a good idea for, for anybody. Well, to your original question, though, about, you know, flip-flopping that, how, you know, is that is that okay? Does that change things? I think it, I think it is okay as long as it is the – the, the woman that is accepting of that is like, this is something that I consent to, I agree to. I would like to be in a position where I don't have to think about this. But if somebody is locking her out because they don't trust her, they're doing it, um, you know, without the consent to do so, then I think that's wrong. But I think it would be the same thing if a woman was doing that to her husband and like, you are so bad with money that I'm not even going to let you touch it. Even if he's like, but I want to be better. Let's go through some financial therapy. I don't know, like whatever it is. I think that it's it's wrong either way. But I think my, what Michael said about the roles, like if you're accepting of that role, like this is the, the what I'm doing in our financial lives, I think that's fine. You said you keep uh, separate accounts. And like I yeah. said, I know a lot of people do that. What is the uh, thought process behind that? Like why why separate accounts? Because the way that I look at it is you're married. So it's all, mm -hmm. I mean, whether you like it or not, it's all own jointly. Yeah. So what is the point of having the separate accounts? Um, I think it just started, I think the separate accounts for us started just kind of like when we got married. I mean, we were young when we got married and we, you know, there wasn't a lot of forethought with like financial planning together. It was just like, all right, we're getting married. Let's figure this out after the fact. And so there wasn't anything intentional behind it but it works really well for us. Like we both have bills that we pay. Like I pay car insurance. I pay uh, extra like, um, you know, if we're going out, entertainment type stuff, my husband pays the mortgage, the health insurance, utilities. Like we have it very evenly divided. You get all the boring stuff. Just because he's a man and I make him do boring things. No, <laughs> it just worked out that way. Yeah. What would happen if you did combine it? Like what, what knowing your relationship, where were there, where might there be stress or conflict? I don't think there would be any stress or conflict. I, I don't think there would be any stress or conflict. I think it would be still like, I have, uh, you know, the things, uh, the auto payment set up. It would be the same way. I think, you know, no matter who, 
how the accounts were combined. One thing that I will say that I do enjoy about having the separate accounts is that it does give me it it gives me a sense of autonomy that I think I think is important. You know, we've been married for 18 years and you know, when you're married for any amount of time, especially that long, like you feel very much like you are always together the same person and when you can express find ways to feel independent or express independence, I think it's important. And for me, knowing that like I have an account that just has my main name on it. And actually I should say all of our accounts, the other like could technically access if they needed to. So it's not like Daeklin can't touch anything or I can't touch any of his money. But having this account that is is really mine and that my money goes into gives me this like sense of power and, and independence that I appreciate having. It's not like I would use it as an out ever or anything like that, but it just feels, um, it feels very much mine, this like separate thing that exists outside of the two of us. And that's something that's been good for our relationship. I hope he feels the same way. I have no idea though. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it makes sense. I don't know. I just, I, we don't do that, but I don't know. Maybe we should. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know. So Robert, like one thing I would like to say is that it would have been good to know before you came to work at Millennial Money Man that you don't care about money. <laughs> oh, that's that's not that's not entirely true. I do care about money. I'm just like, I don't know. I, I'm very much like the type of person who like if I want something and the money is in my account, that's like uh, I'm probably just gonna get it as opposed to like i have i have good self-restraint in the day-to-day -day, mm -hmm. right like i'm good at sticking to a routine i'm good at things like that but i recently discovered when it comes to purchases that are like in the range of 300 to like 2000 i kind of like if i can have like the slightest justification like then then it's game over um, so I actually, that's like a new guardrail that I've put up for myself. It's like, if I want to buy something and it's above $300, I sort of have now that extra mental check of like, okay, do you really need this right now? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you were, we're speaking get, the same language there, Robert, I yeah, I have the same impulse. Yeah. So if you were to get married at some point, would you be comfortable with a, a similar setup where you're like, you know what? I don't even want to deal with this. Like just. You make the passwords. I don't want to, I don't want to even think about this stuff. I think I would want access to the accounts, but I think similar to Michael's situation, like I am, I'm not a budgeter. Like that sort of stuff is, is difficult for me to, like, it's easy for me to set, but I don't have any concept of like, okay, how much do I actually spend each month on, on going out to restaurants or on groceries or, or stuff like that? I look at it more and like, those bite-sized things of like, oh, I spent a hundred at the grocery, not realizing, oh, I did the same thing three days ago. Like maybe I should pay more attention to this. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I'd still want access to it, but I think the benefit would be that sort of, again, like extra guardrail of having someone else be sort of like, hey, do you know that we spent, you know, $1,500 at restaurants last month? Like we need to bring that down a little bit. Because I don't have the the interest in like going back and and reevaluating that stuff after the fact. When we got married, um, we had joint bank accounts. Actually, at the time we were engaged, we used um, 
uh, Twine by John Hancock as a, mm-hmm. like a shared savings tool, yeah, which is really helpful one. for us. We saved for the, our wedding and we saved for a couple other goals that we had before we got married. And that was a really good tool for people who weren't married because you could at any time kind of disconnect and split the money back up. But we had joint bank accounts. However, we don't have a, we didn't use traditional banks. So we use simple, what the greatest bank of all time, God rest their soul. Um, and we have a similar bank now that we use and there's the shared account, but then you do have individual pots. And I know a lot of traditional checking accounts kind of work like that, but these, um, the one we use now is, um, it's just a little bit cleaner, easier to use. And so when we get direct deposits, um, I don't remember if it gets split up by percentage or whatever, but we do have a little bit of money we keep in an individual account. So we have kind of play money that we keep not everything goes into the shared account but um we also have a budgeting app that kind of pulls all transactions so it's not like anything's truly hidden but it's also not like you always have to spend from the the shared account and i feel like i mean that works for us um but i also think that's kind of sort of even what you're talking about errol it's not like you're trying to hide anything you just Mm -hmm. want your kind of pool of money or your envelope of money and to robert's point like i don't care what my wife buys but it it is helpful you know to sort of see over time you know are we spending too much money on this or um just having that transparency so um yeah i think there's a lot of similarities there but just getting back to the questionable decision the hiding from it the i don't want to know the fingers in your ears i don't know how that stays sustainable for a long time but then again people are different it could be um, but I feel like if something were to go wrong, if you were to hit a road bump, whether that be a big road bump or a little road bump, you might end up getting the consequences of hiding, you know, hiding from what's going on with your money. So I think you want to be somewhat aware. You want to have some insight into what's going on. And we even, I don't think this is the same, but, uh, you know, people who are really rich, I think a lot of them want to do the same thing. And they they kind of put a lot of their the money decisions to a business manager and that's where you get screwed you want to know what's going on with your money even if you're not wanting to be the person that like micromanages what what's being done with it if your friend like you know if he wants to buy something is is does he have to ask for permission or how does that work because or does you know yeah that's what i'm curious about so a little more context Uh, (laughs) this is my friend it, he enjoys casinos a oh. lot. Um, <laughs> I see what you're doing here, and I appreciate it. Okay. All right. I think we're going to retract a, a lot of our previous a, answers. Yeah, he's a fan of Vegas. Um, and uh, typically the way that they seem to operate, uh, and I hope he never listens to this. Actually, no, I think he would He would probably agree with all this. He kind of just does things, and then they they fight about it later. Because the reason we were talking about this in the first place is on this golf trip, I heard him and his wife arguing at like two in the morning about something and it happened, it happened to do with money and specifically that he hadn't told her he was going on this golf trip until about a day before and it was not a cheap golf trip. So there's a little bit of context. It's uh, there have been some guardrails I think put in place in the relationship for him maybe. That feels more like a communication thing than a money thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a money thing too, but also like. You should probably tell your wife if you're about to go on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't do that. But again, hey, look, I'm not married, so I don't I don't know how this stuff works, you guys. 
I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. You know have a I, pretty good a impulse move. about that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I actually before you revealed that bit of information, I did have like one thing that I've been thinking about through the course of this conversation is like when someone opts out of paying attention to the news or like the political climate or something like that, that's generally applauded, right? And they do that for, I mean, let's ignore the whole casinos thing for a moment. They do that for the same reason that your friend is opting, I previously thought, out <laughs> of the financial <laughs> conversation, right? Of like, oh, it takes up middle space. It stresses me out. It like is a detriment to my well-being. So like, how do you all compare those two things? Like someone opting out of paying attention to the news versus opting out of paying attention to their financial accounts when a spouse is handling it. Just overall, the concept of like almost completely ignoring something that could have some effect on your life because it is a quote unquote detriment to your well-being or happiness or whatever. I... I, they're kind of related. I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing because I think if a lot of people that have money stress that do this where they avoid their money, like they if they just didn't do that instead and they just like looked at their money, they probably wouldn't have nearly as much stress. As, I think I saw a, a a Jeff Bezos quote or he was it was a like a TikTok video or something where he was talking about like stress doesn't come from like hard work or um, you know building companies or anything like that. He was like stress comes from not doing something that you know you're supposed to be doing. So like the idea that you have this thing looming and you haven't done it is where a lot of stress comes from. And I think that's with money for sure. A lot of people just don't look at it when it's really like these days, you can just kind of hook up personal capital and mint and there's plenty of different bank account options. Like it's kind of easy to look at your money and see how much money you're spending. And that doesn't even mean that you have to budget. Like I don't, I'm not a budgeter either. I just, I mean, I don't like to budget because I think that's a little bit of a scarcity mindset. It, it can be, um, especially if you're like trying to build something and that kind of thing. But like, I don't know. I, I think it's very easy to just go like, mm, we spent a little bit more on that than we probably should have. Let's try to maybe make an adjustment on that. But uh, when it comes to the news, I'm that kind of person. I don't, I don't like to watch the news. I don't like to, because I, I to me, it's a distraction from doing things like building this company. Like, it's just like people get all so wrapped up in that stuff and it, and, so I, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of the opposite where it's like, I look at the money, but I don't really like to look at the news very much. Well, I think there's a, to me, there's a, a truth about both of them, right? Looking at your bank account, it's just an, it's, there's a number there and that's how much money's in there, right? It's just reality. It's just truth. Sort of similarly as news, like you could say, well, just knowing what's going on in the world Running and hiding and avoiding it is not a bad thing. You need to like look it in the eye and know what's going on. But there's a vast difference in that the news, you can get hit with 1500 stories and that can be overwhelmed. And there's, everybody's got a different take and what, you know, what's the bias that you're reading. So the news I think is different. I don't think you should hide from the world. You should, you should maybe try and curate what news you get, but you, you should know what's going on. Whereas your money, it's, uh, I think to what Bobby was saying, the, the stress of it is looking at the number, looking at the reality and knowing that you're not going to manage it well, knowing that you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. You're, you're spending recklessly. You don't have a budget or whatever, whatever your individual case may be. But again, hiding from it, putting your head in the sand doesn't actually help the situation at all. And if you want a better situation, 
the first thing you have to do is understand where you are so that you can make that plan like Robert's girlfriend did of how you're going to get out of this situation. So is it good? No, I, I will say back to the original example, uh, the Vegas stuff uh, kind of changes a, a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> that is important but, uh, context. Yeah. And I think it's ex-girlfriend too, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Th thanks for, right. thanks for, yeah, no, I'll clean that up. I cleaned that yeah, one yeah. up for you. Appreciate uh, that. So Ariel, do you have any other thoughts on any of this stuff or are you just, no, I mean, I, I was thinking about Robert's question and I think that the, uh, uh, I think when you look at your money, you can have, you can make an active change in your finances. Like if you are going to ignore the news, turn off the rate. I mean, I, I've had to go through phases of that where I used to listen to NPR a lot and I had to stop listening to it because it was really like mentally draining on me. And there are things that when you listen to the news and you are aware of what's happening in the world, you can you can vote, you can get behind causes, you can do stuff like that, but you're not going to see like immediate changes. But when you look at your bank account, you can immediately make changes. You can make a decision to, you know, not spend $300 on something or like to stop eating out or to, to go find a side hustle or whatever, you can see immediate changes with that. And I think that's the difference in, you know, your question. Um, you know, if it causes you stress, then, you know, don't do it. But I think you do have to a little bit. Um, yeah, it's something yeah. you have control over versus something you don't have as much control over. Yeah. And I think immediate control versus like a long-term mm. thing mm. too. So, all right. How do we, we're going to do this. We're going to decide questionable decision, not questionable decision. Robert, what do you think? And let's, we, let's wait, go pre, we, pre casino. Yeah. 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 Pre casino knowledge. See, questionable I decision. To, I was about to split my answer. I was mm. going to say the casino thing is more of a questionable decision than to me. Everybody than, has hobbies, Robert. Everybody has hobbies. <laughs> hey, look, my, my parents enjoy the casino, which doesn't make sense to me. I hate casinos. I'm not good at it. So yeah, I don't like it either. Uh -uh. They are, I should, since, you know, we're putting this out into the world, I should publicly say that they are very good at, they only spend what they're comfortable with losing. So smart. maybe smart. a little mm -hmm. bit different than your friend's has your situation. Friend, has your friend lost more at the casino than you've lost on the golf course? Like in your golf bag? Oh, he's one hundred thousand percent lost more money. Hundred thousand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So pre-casino, he doesn't have access to the financials. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a questionable decision. I get the heart behind it. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm not necessarily the best at this stuff either, but I also acknowledge that you know it's something to work on. So my vote is yes questionable decision my vote is that it's a smart decision pre-casino smart decision if it's something that he and his wife both agreed upon and thought it was a good idea and he's like i don't want to be a part of this because i'm not good at it and i'm going to let her do it because she's good at it post-casino i think it's still a good decision <laughs> for her to keep a handle <laughs> on things but i think that he needs like therapy or something he needs like to get help for the I didn't say that he's. An, I don't. I don't. I didn't say he's an addict. I don't want to put that out there. I, he just. He. It's a form of entertainment for him that uh, he travels a lot. He. He does a lot of casinos, and it's. It's a fun thing for him. Sometimes he wins, wins a lot of money too. So I would say, if the partner is the one requesting it, that is the only kind of door open that would maybe make it okay. Like it, I think that the the person who's locked out should be asking, "Hey, mate, can you lock me out?" Mm -hmm. But 
I, I ultimately think it's a questionable decision and that if you need something like that for a time, you need a plan to be able to get out of it, a plan to be able to kind of deal with your finances and, and be able to look at a number and not get stressed out. Um, cause I, I don't think doing that for your entire life is, is really sustainable. Yeah. I think it's a bad idea, but more for a, a, like pre post casino doesn't really matter. Like I think you're put, you're opening yourself up to a lot of potential risk by not having access to your accounts in the event that something did happen to your relationship. So I don't know if that's just the, that's just the way that I kind of look at the world, which a lot of people listen to this are probably gonna be like, dang, your marriage sucks. But my marriage, my marriage is great. Um, <laughs> your because, marriage sucks. Yeah. Your marriage sucks. Mine doesn't suck. No, but there is like this reality and my wife and I talk about it. Like, I think, you know, like if something ever were to happen and it's like, if she ever got tired of me for whatever reason, like she needs to have just as much access to everything as I do. Like that's the fair thing in the relationship, I think. Um, and hopefully, you know, knock on wood, nothing ever happens like that, but that's marriage is, you know, it's kind of like a business partnership in a lot of ways. So you have to kind of treat it that way. So even if he likes to have fun and, you know, go to casinos sometimes and all that, like that's still not a reason to not access any of your money. And, and give up that control to somebody else. Like, I think it's highly questionable. So I wouldn't do it, which I told him all of this, by the way, and he didn't listen to me. So <laughs> <laughs> at least I don't think so. All right, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Questionable Decisions. Uh, if you want to see the video version of this podcast, we are on YouTube. And if you want us to talk about a decision that you or someone you know has made uh, for us to determine if it's questionable, feel free to text it to us at 321 222 0203. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk soon.